to move me around so much I can find my stuff. Order from headquarters. Y'all hear a whistling noise, it's them. <laughs> if you have your Bible this morning, let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 16. Almost to the end of the book. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Y'all know that this, of course, is the 4th of July. I'm going to move back a little bit so I won't feel like anybody's behind me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong. What a verse. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the day today and we pray, God, for our nation today, for all of those who have served our nation, those who have given their all for this nation, their lives and their livelihoods. God, as we look around at our nation today, we're in such need of godly leadership. We pray, God, that uh, you would guide us as a nation to get into the center of your will and do the things that or pleasing to you, and God, the things that would testify of Jesus to every nation around the world. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for being with the men and women who sacrificed so much to bring about the, the foundation of our nation. God, uh, may we never squander that precious gift that you have given us through them. We bless your name. We thank you for this day that we celebrate, God, the revolution that brought about the founding of our country. And we just pray, God, we continue to, God, be faithful to you in everything. Reject the things that reject you. Love those things that uh, you love. And we pray your blessings on all who have gathered here today. Just lift each one up and bless us all in the name of Jesus. We pray in his holy name. Amen. Well, I guess everybody knows it's uh, the 4th of July and that's a you ride down the highway, not in too many different directions, and find the fireworks stands. Um, Trish and I were afraid coming into town last night that uh, we were going to be kept awake by the fireworks that were going off last night. I don't know about y'all, but I think we heard two go well, boom, boom, and that's about it. Last night, didn't, didn't, huh? 
we'd come to your neighborhood. It sounded like a war zone. Well, we were out here on the highway. I guess that's quiet out here. Anyway, that's, I was hoping that big t uh, under the tarpaulin tent or whatever that is down there didn't go up and smoke. Ooh, that would have been a young war breaking out for sure. The reason that we celebrate and we commemorate is because of the people who were willing to sacrifice everything for the freedom that you and I have in our nation today. And the Lord has to have blessed this country. I don't know of any other nation that has existed under the freedom of men and women ruling as long as we have. And uh, as long as the we do what the Lord wants us to do, we can stay there. But folks, I fear that uh, we're drifting away from that principle that we were founded on. And we're in danger of losing everything that we have if we lose God's graces. If he removes his protective hand from this country, we're no better than a third world country in Africa somewhere. Uh, folks, the thing that has distinguished us for low these many years from the rest of the world is the fact that that cross has been at the forefront of who we are as a nation. And we hadn't always had politicians that lived a life like that and led us in that direction. But ultimately, at the end of the road, that's what it boils down to. And when we turn aside from following Jesus as a nation, we're doomed. And uh, I mean, most of us are, and I say most of us, I mean that literally most of us. I mean, not but two or three here that are younger than us. So <laughs> we, can, we can say most of us probably not going to make it uh, <laughs> too many years more and we probably won't see uh, what is coming uh, if uh, we turn our back on Jesus and the cross but I'm afraid these young people are, are going to have to deal with that uh, if, if the church, if God's people turn away from godly principles the church is in danger and uh, I don't say that light heartedly because our own, I'm going to meddle a little bit now. I hope you all don't mind because I'm going to do it anyway whether you do or not. Our own Southern Baptist Convention has decided it was okay to violate the rule of the Bible. They have decided and announced that it's quite all right to ordain women into the ministerial service and those who have been divorced into the ministry as preachers and deacons and so on and so forth. The Southern Baptist Convention has said that. I'm not talking about Methodists or Presbyterians. I'm talking about our Southern Baptist Convention the one that we send money to to support missions around the world. And I'm wondering in a few years what those missions are going to look like. 
When we get up off the truth, folks, we're in a heap of trouble. I mean, we just must recognize that. When we get up off of the truth, we're in trouble. We need to understand the direction we're headed. Folks, this nation was founded on the principles of men and women giving their all, everything they had for the truths of Scripture. They, it wasn't political truth. When it all boiled down to it, it was the Scripture of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to give everybody the freedom to worship as they please. That, regardless of what anybody says, our nation basically, basically, our nation had a religious founding period we wanted to do what God wanted us to do and be the only nation in the world that did it. Now that takes some guts to stand up in the face of the kings of all the countries in the world and shake your fist and say, we're going to do what God wants us to. Y'all be damned, excuse my English. But that's basically what we said. And that, that damned was not a curse word in that sense. That, that, that word there was May you be cursed to a devil torment. God has already down, so. Yeah, it's coming about real quick. Folks, God wants us to be the nation that he wants us to be. There's a reason we've had so many men and women give everything that they have, not just in 1776, but in 2021. We've got men and women still on foreign soil that are giving their all for this country today. And we need to be thankful for that. I can't, I can't drive by an old glory, as they say, that red, white, and blue flag without feeling something special. I, I never had to, to go overseas and, and fight and all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, I've had friends yet. I've had friends that lost their lives in Vietnam, and I was about that close to having to go myself. I met that redhead, and that ended that. Thank the Lord for her for more than one reason. But my father was in the jungles of the Philippines for nearly three years. Folks, I've heard him talk about it, and he didn't talk about it much because when he did, it brought up too many bad memories. And I hate he talked about a lot of what all those boys got into when they wasn't on duty, when they were on leave somewhere away from all of that stuff. But he didn't talk about all of the blood and, blood and guts and stuff like that. That's, that's such a horrible thing to think that men and women are still willing to give all and in that sense, everything that they had, including their lives, to preserve what you and I have, the freedom to come here. This is one of the, the biggest freedoms that you and I enjoy as a result of their sacrifice. Because in just about any other country you go, they're only allowed to preach and teach what the powers that be tell them they can. Now, we, especially down here in, our, in the South, 
We don't mind thumbing our nose at the powers that be and telling them how the cow ate the cabbage. But that's just us down here. All of the movements that change the way we do things in this country start in the north. And they come this way because the foothold, it seems, that the church has in other parts of the country are loosening. And it's coming our way. Folks, it's not going to be long before our young people, our children, are faced with the task of convincing their children that Jesus is real, that he was alive, and that he did die for our sins. It's coming to that in this country. We ought to be proud of the men and women who were willing to stand up in the face of King George and all them other high-stocking English men and tell them they could go jump in the Atlantic Ocean and be fine with them. We just, I'm afraid we don't have a whole lot of men and women with that kind of moxie anymore. I pray God will preserve us. The one that uh, loves God is not only the one that loves God with his mouth, but with his actions as well. As we read in, in uh, 1 Corinthians here, Scripture says of that man, be alert and stand firm in the faith. Now, if y'all are paying attention to what's going on in the world, you'll recognize that it doesn't take a whole lot from some people or some authority somewhere to shift the foundational groundwork of religion. We've got a group of people, men and women, working around the world that want to destroy the basics of the religion. Excuse me. The most important thing that we can understand from our scripture is that Jesus Christ, God himself, took upon himself a robe of flesh and became a human being and came to this earth. I can't imagine how he did it, but stepped into a seed, an embryo, and a virgin Mary and went through the rigor of a human birth. Now, I'm glad I'm not a woman, y'all, but I'm married to one, and I've talked to plenty as ministers, and I'm not totally ignorant of the childbirth process. But I studied enough physics when I was in school and enough anatomy to put two and two together, and it never, that two and two, never equals four. The pain, the agony, and, and everything that goes along with childbirth, not to mention the years thereafter, has got to be a 2024 pain. It just, women endure so much just to bring us into the world. I can't imagine 
God himself stepping into an embryo in the womb of a teenage girl. Going through the process of growth in a womb. And the rigor, ladies, I don't even need talking to the guys. I don't know whether all these guys understand or not. Going through the rigor of childbirth. Because from what I understand, physically it's impossible. <laughs> Ain't no way that it could possibly work physiologically. But now when they talk about the miracle of childbirth, that's what they're talking about, the miracle of childbirth. It's a miracle. Not just a conception, but the process itself. To get that baby here the way that that baby gets here is a miracle in and of itself. Now, not to be a woman who's given childbirth alive today. Now, we're talking about a good God that gives us who we are and where we are and loves us so much that he became a seed that became an embryo that became a living child in the womb of Mary and going through that process that should have killed him. It should have crushed his head. He should have died just like every other baby in the world. But all of that pain and all of that agony from him and his mama that they suffered got him here. Now, I've heard people debate, you reckon he ever got a spanking? I don't know whether he ever got a spanking or not. He was a child, but he was God's son, and I'm sure he was perfect, and he never did anything wrong. You can debate that back and forth. It doesn't make any difference. He grew into a man, a sinless man, a perfect man, who taught people the truth about God in the perfect way of reaching their heavenly Father. That's how much he loved us. He was willing to give his all for us. And if it wasn't enough to go through that process, think about what he left to come here. Now, look, the streets of Jerusalem weren't even paved. Now what a sidewalk. And I don't imagine the saddles on the donkey's backs were too comfortable. But that's the only means in that um, wooden wagon, wooden cart, the only way they had to get around beside their feet. He came into an environment like that, God, from the streets of glory and a servant at every turn in the form of an angel to come down here among men that hated him. They despised him enough to hang him on a cross and kill him because they didn't understand who he was. Well, I'm not so sure that most of them didn't understand who he was. The devil's got a way of convincing people to do things that they know better than, but they do it anyway. I don't know whether y'all have noticed that or not. When I was growing up and a teenager, I, I knew it better than to do a lot of things I did. Fortunately, I got away with most of them. Every once in a while, I'd get caught. Wasn't no fun when I got home after getting caught. Wasn't fun for Jesus to live here either. But he was glad to do it. 
because he loves us so much. Folks, we celebrate this day as a day that men with similar, not same, similar attitudes had that put on uniforms, most of them, and went into the service and went on foreign lands and defended and fought for the freedoms of this nation. You know them. You've talked to them. You guys may be some of them. We hadn't talked about it. I know my father, <laughs> my father spent an inordinate amount of time to me, it sounds to me like an inordinate amount of time in the Philippines in World War II. It sounded like once they got you there, they kept you there. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was just about over when he came home. It was, it was 30 months. That's a long time getting shot at and shooting at. But their men were willing to do it. And the women, too. There were women that went over there and served as nurses and, and caregivers and everything else. They, they were willing to do that. Why? Because of the freedom we have in this country to be the people that God wants us to be. That's why. No other reason. Paul said it as he wrote here, be alert. He's talking to people. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like a man and be strong. <laughs> I don't think Paul probably had too much patience with guys that were mamby-pamby and wishy-washy. He wanted them to be alert. and uh, <laughs> He wanted them to be careful and watch and be ready, especially for danger. And be ready for opportunities to serve the Lord. Wanted them, he said, to be firm in the faith. That's we as Christian people ought to have that as a mantra. We ought to be firm in our faith. It doesn't make any difference what comes along or who does what or how things happen. We ought to be firm in our faith and hold to biblical principles no matter what. It seems like today the church gives up its biblical principles too easily. When I hear a spokesperson get up and stand in front of the television cameras and tell people as a Southern Baptist, we're going to start doing what God said don't do. Look, look at me. You see this? Yeah. We don't thumb our nose at God. We can thumb our nose at God, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to take that little old thumb of his, and this right here is what he's going to do. You know what has kept us a nation as long as we've been a nation? You know why we've survived? Because we hadn't been the greatest thing, the most powerful thing militarily in the world. It seems like we have, but we hadn't. We've been that way because God has blessed us. And when God does this to us, bye-bye. Folks, I'll say again, you and I, <laughs> most of y'all, not all of y'all, are pretty, pretty close to my age. We're kicking around, we're kicking around the gravestone pretty, pretty close here for too long. Uh, but these young people that are here are going to have to put up with the mess we leave behind. 
it's time we as God's people stood up and said, no, you're not going to do that. If we ever find out that they're having a Southern Baptist Convention anywhere in the world where they're going to vote about that, all of us, if we have to take a loan out, need to take a loan out and rent an airplane or a bus or whatever it takes and go in mass to wherever it is. And if we have to start trouble, let's start some trouble. But we ought not to vote for that at all. God founded this convention on godly principles, and we followed them almost to the letter through the years. We give that up, and we're going to be as bad as them Methodists and Presbyterians I've been talking about for 20 years. I mean, let's just call a spade a shovel. That's right. When you throw your principles to the wind, what do you become? Scattered dust. Paul said, act like a man. Ladies, excuse that. Be strong. Not just physically, but spiritually and morally. Be strong. Strength has more to do than muscle. The women in most churches that I know and have been in are the strength of the church. Not only do they fix the fellowship meals, <laughs> they grab hubby by the ear and drag him to the fellowship supper. <laughs> Most of the time. Now, I'm not including you guys, but I mean, you know, you fellas know. Y'all not the only ones that are here to eat. You know, when there's, when there's an eating meeting, they come out to woodwork. Why? Because they don't get preached to most of the time. <laughs> Well, in uh, the attributes of a godly man we've been looking at, not only did, the say, did God say be dependable in 1 Corinthians 16, he said be strong. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. When we think we can't go on, those of us who have played a little athletics, and those who have not, and some people that have faced trouble and don't think they could get through it, that have gone through it. Be strong in the Lord and by His vast strength. Get your second wind. Now, most of us know what a second wind is. If you've ever been in and around a, a coach of any kind, you understand what a second wind is. Because they'll work you until you think you're going to die, and then they'll work you some more. And when you run out of breath and don't think you can go another step, he's going to get you up and get in behind you, and you're going to get your second wind because you're going to try to get away from him if you can. Now, life's not easy, and God knew it wasn't easy, and Paul knew it wasn't easy. Paul wrote the Ephesians be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Do what God wants you to do. Be dependable to him and act like a man. In Joshua 1 7, 
Joshua said, Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. Joshua told us to be courageous. Courageous in our living, courageous in our walk with the Lord, and especially courageous enough to strictly observe God's laws. Folks, if you don't think it takes courage to be a Christian in our world today, <laughs> you need some counseling. That's all I can tell you. Because if you're going along with the crowds, you probably don't need any counseling. But in our world today, if you buck what the crowd says, if you buck what the government says, if you buck what your neighbor says, and you try to do the godly thing, the honorable thing, you're going to get people upset with you, and you're going to lose some friends, you're going to lose some contacts in business. You Just think about it. You stand to give up so much if you stand up for the Lord. And that, look, we're in the South, in the freest country in the nation, and probably the freest area as far as states are concerned in, in our country about being able to stand up for what we believe in the faith. And we need to hold that strength and be courageous enough to observe what God has taught us and observe his laws before the rest of the world. Why? Because God, when, when God saved you, when God saved me, he saved us to be evangelists. You may not like that word. That may ring bells in your head of being a, a permanent full-time preacher or something like that, but that's not right. An evangelist is one who takes the word of God in his heart and shares it with other people. A six-year-old can be an evangelist. Cutest thing you'll ever see in the world. A six-year-old sharing his faith with another six-year-old. It'll make the hair on you stand up all over. And the chills run up and down you for two or three days. Boy, just thinking about that. that look. What God can do with a child. That's what he's asked us to do. Take his principles, his laws, and what he said about salvation and our relationship with him and share it with other people. He didn't give it to us to put it in our back pocket and sit on and not tell anybody. He wants us to get out and wave the flag. And most of us in the church today, preachers included, do not do enough of what God tells us to do. And we have the freedom in this country to do it because men and women were willing to give their all that you and I might have the privilege of doing it. And when it all boils down to it, folks, you say what you want to about our country. We were founded on godly principles. I don't care if we've thrown God out the back door in our nation with the bathwater or the dishwashing water or whatever. He hadn't gone far. 
We haven't lost him. He's still here. We just have to invite him and invite him and invite him again and again and again. He made us who we are by his strength, by our faith in him. He can restore us to the pinnacle of who we were. Not so we would rule anybody, but so we could tell them about Jesus. That's why he has made us the nation that we are. He had made us this nation so we could be free to buy the car we wanted to buy or take a trip to the Bahamas that we wanted to take or something like that. That's not why he did this. He made us who we are to be what? A nation of missionaries to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with every soul that we could get our hands on, get our faces in front of, and tell them about Jesus. That's why. That's why we have the freedom. That's why he preserves this freedom. Let's don't lose the freedom. Amen. Let's do what he's done, what he said for us to do. Let's don't lose the privilege. When I was in school, you might have a privilege to do certain things. <laughs> Dusting erasers didn't seem like a privilege. <laughs> but folks, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> that was a happy chore. <laughs> I don't know why taking, taking all those erasers outside and beating them on the concrete or beating them on the, on the brick wall to get the chalk dust off of them. I don't know why that was such a treat and such a pleasure. It seemed like dirty work, but it was fun to do because why? Miss Smith thought enough of you to ask you to do it. And God has thought enough of us to put the most valuable, wonderful, exciting thing that we could give somebody He's given us the task of giving it to him. <laughs> He's already given it to us. He said, I, I, I gave you plenty. You can't give it all away, but I dare you to try. <laughs> Folks, we ought to do that with the same seal we dusted erasers. God loves us, and he wants us to do the same thing for other people that's been done for us. He loves them, too. Let's get about his business and be happy in the Lord. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed. Ma'am? <laughs> it's not until June. Oh, they, they won't vote on that until June. They'll have to fight. They'll have to fight several months before they vote on that. But I guarantee you it's coming up this time.